Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. That's been said two or three times already, but we mean it. We're really glad that you're here with us today on this Easter celebration, this Easter Sunday morning. I want to personally welcome all of you who are guests, those of you who are visiting Word of Life for maybe the very first or second time. We really, really counted a privilege that you would consider coming here to Word of Life, and it means a lot to us. I am I'm really grateful that you have chosen to celebrate Easter with us here at Word of Life. Um, to me, and to many of us within the church, uh, Easter happens to be uh, uh, probably the greatest day in human history because we know for sure now that Jesus Christ came into this world to defeat sin, death, and the grave, and that was proven when he rose from the dead. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. He's a great God. We need you to know, those of you who would be visiting today and who are guests, we need you to know that we here at Word of Life, we're just ordinary people. We're a lot like you. We're not very different. We have needs and issues and dreams just like you have. But the only thing that may be a bit different with some of us in this room is that we happen to believe. We happen to believe in God. We happen to believe that our God is an amazing, incredible, supernatural kind of God. And if you should be new to church, if you should maybe even not have a faith in God, you don't even know if there is a God. It doesn't matter to us. We still are glad that you're here. But wherever you may be on that spectrum of where God may be um, or who he may be, I want you to know that those words, amazing, incredible, and supernatural, that only begins to tell us who our God is. Because we find within the Word of God that our God, He's an all-powerful, He's an all-knowing, and He's an ever-present God. In fact, in Psalm 145, verse 3, by the way, follow along in your, your uh, smartphones, your tablets, however you're following along, or even projected behind me, you can follow along as well. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and an ever-present God. Psalm 145, it says these words, no one, no one, you can't. I can't. No one can fathom the greatness, the goodness of our God. We can't even begin to wrap our arms around it. Once we have a revelation and we think we understand God a little bit better, it goes deeper. It's much greater. It is incredible. Give me an amen behind all of that if you would. In fact, Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 19. He says, with God, all things are possible. He says that with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? If you do, say it with me. With God, all things are possible. Today's message is entitled, An Anchor for Your Soul. The Anchor for Your Soul. Now, if I'm going to talk to you about the anchor for your soul, I believe I ought to first talk to you about your soul. Give me a few moments and let me do that with you this morning. Let me speak to you this morning about your soul. Every single person that has ever been born, that has ever lived, has been created as a triune being. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. Our spirit is like God's spirit. We know that God is spirit, and we also have spirit within us. So our spirit is like God is spirit. We have a soul. That would be defined as your emotions, your will, your heart. And then, of course, we have this right here. We have the body, this house, this shell that we're living in. Most of mankind thinks and believes that we're just a, a body with a soul. But I love what Craig Rochelle says in his book, Soul Detox. He says, we are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. And that's an important difference. We are a soul 
with the body. In other words, we are not our bodies. Oh, I know that this looks really, really good up here right now. I know this is like eye candy to most of you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyhow, seriously, my body is not who I am. Your body is not who you am, who you are. Our body is really only but a house. And it's this thing here is only but a temporary dwelling for all of us who are here today. Because when the body dies, we don't die. Let me say that again. When our bodies die, we don't die. We will continue to live on eternally in one of two places, the Bible tells us. Here's what the Bible says. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, and you've given your life over to him, because you believe that what he did on the cross was for you. He died on the cross for your sins. If you're that one who would believe that, according to the Bible, then when your body dies, and I hate to tell you this news, but you're going to die, it's 100% positive and sure that that's going to take place. Aren't you glad you're visiting Word of Life Assembly of God today? When your body dies, your spirit, your soul, who you really are, this isn't who I really am. But in here, in my spirit, in my soul is who I really am. So when your body dies, your spirit, your soul, who you really are, goes to heaven. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. But if your body dies and you're not a believer, You've chosen not to believe. You've chosen not to follow. You've chosen not to seek after God in any real consistent way. The Bible says that your destination is to be eternally separated from God. In another place, eternally separated from God. You see, it all comes down to one decision, everybody. The one decision is not if you're a good person or not, because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven, right? We talked about that a year ago. Forgiven people go to heaven, not good people. But the one decision that we all have to make is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And through Him and Him alone can you be saved? Do you believe that? Give me a yes or no. Give me a yes for those of you who believe. In fact, uh, we, we find here within the Scriptures, and in, in, uh, go with me to John chapter 11, beginning of verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die. Remember, you're going to die. Your body's going to die. But you're going to live on. And Jesus says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And look at these, one, two, three, four words. Do you believe this? It comes down, the decision is to come down to believing that what God says within his word about Jesus is absolutely true. In fact, in John chapter, John chapter 14, verse 6, it says these words. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no man, no woman, no teenager, no one comes to the Father except by me is what the Son of God says. It's what he says. So for those of you who are not sure where you stand with God today, the fin finality of death is so gripping. It is so real. It is so imminent that this, this morning, I'm begging you. You may not be a part of Word of Life. This may be your first time here, but I'm going to tell you I'm your pastor for this morning. I'm begging you as your pastor. I'm begging you, sir, ma'am, don't you dare miss out 
on this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Don't you dare miss out on that opportunity. Whether you ever return to Word of Life or not, I want you to, but it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm trying to get you to do. Whether you ever return here or not, I beg you, call out to Jesus today and say to him, yes. Say to him, Lord, come into my life. Just a simple prayer is all you need. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be long. When I gave my life to Jesus, all I said was this. If this is real, I want it. And bam, my whole life was changed. So if you would only but pray a simple prayer, Jesus, would you become the Lord and leader of my life? Would you take control? Bam, something's going to happen. Something wonderful, something amazing. A simple prayer like that. So let's dig deeper. Let's go into the soul a little bit deeper. There's a lot of scriptures, many scriptures in the Bible that talk about the soul, talk about the spirit, talk about the triune being that I'm talking about. But I want to deal with just two extremes today. Go with me to uh, the third epistle of John, 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. Listen to what the scripture says about the soul, the positive side of the soul. It says these words, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The plan of God is that your soul will prosper. That soul that you have would prosper. But then there's the other extreme. The other extreme is found in Psalm chapter 31, verse 9. The psalmist says, be, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. We're not prospering. Things aren't wonderful, wonderful for us at this particular psalm with this particular issue. But it says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak and with sorrow, my soul and body with grief, with grief. That's where we're going to hang for this morning. We're going we're gonna to deal with this area of where our soul is filled with grief. That's, we're going to take a few moments and talk about it. It's when we are over our head with issues and problems. You're spent. You're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. You're going through the same thing over and over again. You have a grieving soul. You have a sinking soul is what's taking place in the scriptures. I'll prove that to you in just a moment. So what I'm asking you today, every one of you, young and old alike, I'm asking you to be open to what God would say to you. I don't want you doing this to your spouse, to your kids. I don't want any of that kind. I want it to be between you and God. I want to only be but a mouthpiece of what God wants to say to you today. And I want you to evaluate that. I want you to evaluate what is going on with your soul. I believe that this is a life-changing word today. And God is going to do some great things. Today, I want to take a few moments and talk to you about an anchor for your sinking soul. An anchor for your sinking soul. The anchor for your soul. Turn with me to Psalm 130, if you would, please. Psalm 130. We're going to read the entire chapter, but it's only eight verses. We're going to read the entire chapter, and we're going to discover how we can have... Uh, an anchor for our sinking souls that we would have. Most scholars believe that King David is the author of Psalm 130. I happen to believe it as well. And it's called, it's called one of the songs of ascent. That means that when the Jews would be tracking their way back to Jerusalem for a festival, for a feast, whatever the reason would be that they would go back to Israel, they would, they would uh, the, the Jews would be tracking their way back to Jerusalem, not Israel, but to Jerusalem and uh, for that feast. And they would have 14 songs. 14 songs that they would sing. 14 songs, S-O-N-G-S, is the same thing as Psalms, which is P-S, where is it? P-S-A-L-M-S. 
P-S-A-L-M-S. Psalms and songs are identical in the Bible. It means the same thing. So as they were making their way to Jerusalem, they would sing songs. And this is about halfway through the 14 songs that they would sing on their way to Jerusalem and, and recite on this journey. Go with me to Psalm 130, verse 1. Listen to this. It's David here, and he says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. The metaphor that David is using here is water and he is sinking. Listen, this psalm and many others is one of the reasons why I love God as I do. The reason why I've chosen to follow God and be into God's word. What I love about this is how honest people can be with God. I love the fact that people can come to God with right where you're at right now in life. What's going on with you right now in life? You can come to God <coughs> with all of that. You can, you can speak to him and be gut level honest with God. Transparent to God and share with him the issues. Share with him the, the problems and the questions and the disappointments that you may have with him, that you may be having with God. You may be having with what's going on in your life. In fact, the Bible is very open with all of that. If you get into the Word of God, if you open up the Bible and begin to read it, you're going to see that there is uh, one individual after another who is doing this with God, who's complaining to God, who is telling God, I, I thought you were going to do it this way. You know, what, whatever the issue would be, <clears throat> the problem, the need. Scripture after scripture tells us it's okay to pour out our heart to God. And I don't know about you, but I love the fact. I love the fact that God doesn't hide that in the scriptures. It's evident. It's right here. We can see it. I just read to you. David is saying, I'm sinking. My soul is sinking right now. And I love the fact that God doesn't defend himself. And he's letting us know. God is saying here today, you can come to me in your best days. And you can come to me in your worst days. God welcomes you and I to come before him with whatever it is that we're dealing with. And here is King David. David is saying, God, I'm at the deep end of my life. I feel like I'm going down under. It's way over my head right now. Listen, honestly, none of, none of the theologians, nobody really knows what it is that's caused David to be at this, this mindset right now. Nobody really knows what's taken place. Maybe the result of a poor and foolish decision that he made. Has anybody else ever made a poor, foolish decision? Yeah, 11 of us, and the rest of you are liars. But anyhow, um, maybe it's because of sin. Maybe it's because of a wrong that he's been a part of. But one thing is for sure. David's soul feels like it's sinking. I'm going down. I'm going under. I'm sinking is what David says. And if, for whatever reason, you can't relate to what David is saying with this, if you can't relate to, the, to that, that you don't know what it would feel like to have your soul to sink, you will. You will have that. That will happen in your life. There will come a day, a time in your life, that your soul will feel like sinking I know that that's not good news but it's a reality and you need to be ready for it because it's going to happen the Bible tells us that our soul is going to experience the one extreme where everything is prosperous and wonderful and the other extreme where I'm filled with grief I'm sinking I don't know if I'm going to make it or not I've been pastor here at Word of Life for the last 25 years 
And I know and I love my church very much. I know many, many people very well. Met with them, prayed with them, talked with them. Countless, a lot of them, over 25 years. And I want to tell you, you need to know, especially those of you who would be visiting today. You need to know that there are many. Yeah, there, there are many of us who have been in the deep end of life. Who have been in the, in the depths of like an ocean, treading water. Just trying to stay afloat. Trying to get through. I'm talking about real people. Real people like you. And real people like me. Who are facing challenges that are unbelievable. Maybe a challenge like a spouse walks out the door and says, I'm never coming back and never does. Maybe it would be as a result of a, a doctor's report that has come their way. Or maybe it would be even a, a loss of a job, bankruptcy. Maybe even the loss of an immediate family member. Just, they find themselves just sinking with where they're at. They're sinking. And you realize that, that uh, I'm sinking and I, and I can't tread the water any, anymore. You come to the place where you realize that my mind, my will, my emotions are exhausted. I'm fatigued. It's deep stuff for me. I can barely stay above the surface any longer because I'm sinking. I'm sinking. Has anybody ever had something like that besides me? Would you just raise your hand, honestly? Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's exactly where I was at. I want to share you a very personal story. Very personal. Regarding my sinking soul. Two years ago, this Easter, two years ago, I, after this, that Easter service, I jumped in the car and my wife and I went on an eight-week sabbatical. The first time I had ever taken a sabbatical in my 33 years of, of uh, senior pastor work. The reason for a sabbatical is so that you may rest, that you may refuel, and that you would be restored. And uh, I knew it, but I didn't understand the depth of it all. I was burned out when we left. I was burned out. My soul was in a 911 mode in deep depression. I felt the inside of me was, was a, like about ready to snap. If you were to take a rubber band and just keep on stretching it and stretching it and stretching it, and then all of a sudden snap, that's what I felt. I felt that I was about ready to snap. It took me five weeks of the eight-week uh, sabbatical. It took me five weeks to just decompress so that I would begin to realize that maybe, just maybe, I could move forward. I remember finally in May, I don't know the date, I don't remember exactly, but I do remember the place and the time that um, I was sitting in the kitchen with Marianne in our home, and I was sitting there with her talking, and as I came into the room, she looked at me and she said these words, you're different. You're different. What's wrong? What's happened to you? You're different. What happened? And I looked at her and I said, honey, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I feel like this cloud has been lifted from me. I feel like the dark cloud that's been covering me it's finally gone. And I began to have hope. I began, instead of being depressed and instead of being down, I began to move forward like something just might happen. I feel like just maybe this cloud has been lifted and just maybe I'm going to get through this thing. Let me fast forward. I remember when our oldest son, Jeremy, had his 40th birthday in 2016 as well. On January 21st, 2016, Jeremy turned 40 years old. And I can't remember if it was the day of his birthday or the day after, but he had stopped by the house. He walked into the house, as he always does, and, and he, when he walked in there, I walked over to him and I said, hey, happy birthday, man. And I kissed my son, and, and his response to me was, oh. 
And I poked fun at him saying, oh, you don't like getting old, huh? Well, you're becoming an old man is what you're becoming. Just so you know, many of you may not know this, but uh, Jeremy had been my worship leader for 23 years of my, my 35, 34 years of public ministry. He was with me in West Point, and he was with me here at, at uh, Word of Life, Baldensville Assembly of God, and uh, <clears throat> had been our worship leader, and he, he was an amazing worship leader. If you ever sat under Jeremy's leadership, it was just great. He was a great, great worship leader. And of course, he's my son, so I'm going to really give him an extra great. He was really great. In 2011, Jeremy and Anne-Marie um, started attending Grace Assembly of God. It's just a couple of miles down the road from them. Their kids, friends lived in the area and would come to church, and they end up going there. Of course, it was a heartbreak for me to see my son go, but I completely understood that it needed to happen. Fast forward again from 2011 to 2012. In 2012, I had open heart surgery. I had a triple bypass. Um, I had coronary heart disease, and uh, Jeremy was there with me through all of that. He was there in the room. He was through the whole thing. He was right there through the whole thing, and uh, he was there. <clears throat> Fast forward again to Saturday, September 3rd. 2016, all in that same year. Saturday, September 3rd, 10 weeks to the date, 10 weeks I returned from my sabbatical. Labor Day weekend is what we call our Serve Project week weekend. It's always a big Sunday here uh, on Labor Day weekend at Word of Life. We give away uh, multiple thousands of do dollars to different ministries and services in central New York that are doing what we couldn't do. So we fund them. We help them with some, with some money and cash and pray over them. So Labor Day weekend is a, a big Sunday for us. And so typically, um, I stay up late on a Saturday night. I did last night. I went to bed at 10 minutes to 12 last night. And if you, you would have clapped for me by saying that because I normally am in, am in bed at 9 o'clock in the, in the evening. But I normally, I'm just kidding. You don't have to clap. Um, <clears throat> I went to bed. I went to bed at about, um, I don't know, 10 minutes to, to midnight, somewhere around there. 11.30, quarter off, whatever, uh, on that particular night on September 3rd, and uh, had just fallen asleep, just fallen asleep, and at about 10, uh, 12, 10 a.m. on September 4th, that early morning, I got a phone call from my third son, Thomas, and he said to me, he said, Dad, Emery's called, <clears throat> and it's Jeremy. He's not breathing, and there's no heartbeat. Get to the hospital as quick as you can. I mean, it was one of those things, I woke up and I, Marianne says, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I, I just got a phone call. Jeremy said, uh, Jake, uh, what's my son's name? Tom. <laughs> Tom said, Jeremy's not breathing and there's no heartbeat. Let's go to the hospital, let's go. So we ended up getting to Community General. And as we did, they're in the um, emergency room and they're doing CPR on our son. He's not breathing and there's no heartbeat. Immediately I went to Jeremy's head he was laying fairly low, and they're doing compressions on his chest. I held his head in my hands and just began to pray immediately. Marianne's immediately to my right. She's got her hand on his shoulders, would rub his face whenever she could and stroke it, and, and uh, we, we were all praying. There were, without exaggeration, there were 10 to 15 people in the emergency room with us, a family and friends, some people from Grace Assembly, people from Word of Life. A lot of cops were there. My third son is a cop, and a lot of cops were there and all of that stuff, and it was crazy, and I remember as we were there, 10 to 15 people, not including the medical team, uh, we were praying. We, were, we, were, we weren't crazy, we weren't loud, we weren't, 
you know, you're responsible with all of that. But we were praying. We were asking God for a miracle. And we would pray. And one of my sons would yell out, come on, Jeremy, you can do this. You're going to get through it. Come on, Jeremy. And all of a sudden they would say, he's got a pulse. He's got a pulse. Not sustainable. Not sustainable. We kept on hearing these things. Finally, what they ended up doing was to transport Jeremy to St. Joe's. And they would end up putting Jeremy in the exact same cath lab that I was at on, on uh, October 31st when I had my catheterization back in 2012. And my, my heart was 90, my, my widowmaker was 98% blocked at that particular time. And now my son is laying on the exact same gurney that I was on when that same thing was happening to me a couple of years later. After about 30 minutes, the cardiologist would come out and he found Anne-Marie and Marianne and I. And he said these words, he says, Jeremy's Widowmaker is 100% plugged. He's not gonna survive. Do I have your permission to stop all resuscitation? one of the hardest decisions in my life. I said yes. So the three of us walked in with the cardiologists and in seconds it was over. Stop all compressions. And just like now, no sound. Nothing's happening. Our son has died. It was mind-boggling to me. Am I in a dream? Is this real? What the heck just happened here? Why is Jeremy on that bed? Why are Anne-Marie and Marianne crying as hard as they are? Just wouldn't compute. Talk about a sinking soul. Two and a half hours of CPR, praying for a miracle the miracle that we wanted, the miracle the family and the friends wanted for our son didn't happen. It was over. Death is so final, church. Death is so final. It's over. Ten weeks after, Marianne and I returned from a sabbatical where we had rest and to be refueled and to be restored. Now our oldest son, Jeremy, who's a married father of two teenage boys, dies before our very eyes. September 4th, 2016 of the exact same heart condition that I had, but I lived. The journey hasn't been easy for any of us in our family. Still to this day, there's tears that are shed. It, we just, Marianne and or I just start crying. Some days are worse than others, but God has given Marianne and I help and grace and hope and peace. Even confidence sometimes knowing that our son's in heaven. The one-year anniversary of Jeremy's death, September 4th, 2017, I don't know why, I don't know how, but it gave us some new hope. It gave us new hope. Today, I want to dig into Psalm 130, and I believe it's going to give all of us hope, especially for those of you who may be having a sinking soul. It's going to lead all of us to that anchor for the soul that we all need. I believe that you can walk out of here today. I believe you can walk out of here with a buoyancy to your, to your soul. I believe that your mind, your heart, your emotions are going to begin to feel and find recovery and rescue. 
I'm not saying, I'm not saying to you that circumstances have magically changed since you've come to church. I'm not saying to you that all of a sudden you're going to get a phone call this week and saying, all of that problem, it's now settled. Don't worry about anything anymore. But what I am saying, what I am saying with complete faith, if you will listen and if you will believe on God for these things, I believe the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you're going to be different. Something is going to happen to you today like it's happened for my wife and I. You will move toward health in your soul, and your soul is going to begin to prosper again. You don't have to live in the grief forever. God will give you victory, at least in the deeper levels of grief. God will give you victory. And listen, church. Thank you. This is not crazy talk. I'm not trying to talk crazy talk. I believe with all of my heart that God can and God will do that for you today. And even over the next few days, weeks, months, and years of your life, if that's what you've got left, as you apply these four steps uh, uh, found in Psalm 130, I believe that God is going to prove himself to you that he truly is the anchor to your soul. You can trust that there is that anchor for your soul. Go with me to Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my plea for mercy. The psalmist is saying, hey God, are you listening to me right now? Do you hear me? Do you know what's going on? You see, to the English translation, it sounds rather bland when you think of this, where David says, out of the depths, I have cried out to you, O God. It's not sounding very deep. It's sounding a little funky. We don't really know how to think of it. But to the Hebrew, the Hebrew understood exactly what David was talking about. The Hebrew would be hearing the word something like this. God, I am in a lot of trouble right now. I'm in danger of shipwrecking my soul. I'm wondering, God, do you know that? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you see me? Do you know that I'm on this road and I need you? Do you know that I'm dealing with uh, things that are happening in my life that is changing everything for me? God, all I want is a little mercy. Whenever somebody cries out for mercy, you want mercy because you know you don't deserve mercy. So when you cry out to God for mercy, it's probably because you know that there's something wrong. There's sin. There's something in your life. And you want God. So God, would you give me that mercy? God, would you throw a life preserver my way? I need some help. It's bad, God. This one is really, really bad. And if you don't show up, I'm sunk from the scriptures for David. This is real stuff. This is real life that David is living right now as I'm speaking this. It's a reality for David. He's crying out to God, I'm going down. I'm going down. Maybe you're feeling that as I say those words. Pastor, that's me. I'm going down right now. I feel like I'm going down as well. I feel that's happening to me. You see, he is, here is a real person with a real need, with a broken and weary soul. The pathway to the anchor for your soul, it starts with number one, four points. Number one, this is where I am. This is where I am. Psalm 130, verse one. Out of the depths I cry out to you, O Lord. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it, God. Do you know where I am right now? What I'm going through? By the way, if you should be here today, and you are wondering, what does prayer really look like? Let me just say this because I believe this with all of my heart. To this, this is prayer that David is praying right now. Just so you know, David is giving us a window to his prayer life. 
and probably showing us how we ourselves ought to consider to pray. Prayer is talking to God. It's real. It's honest. It's transparent. Prayer is sometimes screaming. Prayer is pleading, crying, yelling. Prayer is silence. And if you know how to plead, if you know how to scream, if you know how to cry, if you know how to be gut-level honest with God, with where you're at and what you're feeling right now, then you can pray. You can pray, and when you pray, God will hear and answer that prayer. He answers our prayer every single time we pray. And the reason why I know that is Jeremiah 33, 3, and it says, God says, call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't, don't even know about. David says to God, this is where I am. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. Your journey to find the anchor for your soul. You need to begin with, this is where I am. Number two, this is who you are. This is who you are. Psalm 130, verse 3. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? This is where I am. And quite frankly, forgive me if this offends you, but it sucks. This is where I am. Number two, this is, this is um, who you are. But God, this is who you are. I think this is so cool what I'm going to share with you on this particular point. This is, this is him. Listen, let, let me read it to you again. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? David is saying something like this to God. God, you don't keep track of my failures, do you? You don't check the box all, with all the wrongs that I've done. I've lied again. I've cheated again. I've cursed again. This is who you are, God. You don't hold over my head all of my dumb decisions. Because you're not a list keeper. Verse 4 of that same chapter says these words, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With God, there is forgiveness. It's a continuous, constant, everlasting experience that we have with God. That God with you, there is forgiveness. In other words, it's ongoing. It's perpetual. It's when you get God, when God shows up on the scene, whenever he comes, he comes with forgiveness. He's in this room right now with you for forgiveness. Whatever your past is, whatever your issues are, as a believer or a non-believer, he is here to forgive you. That's how he works no matter what, with God there is forgiveness. When you get to God and when God shows up on the scene, you will always be forgiven no matter what you've done. And let me ask you a personal question. What do you get with God? Excuse me. What do, what do people get when they get you? What do people get when they get you? Um, <clears throat> why, did, why did your friend say, sure, man, let's go do that together? And end up being a bud. End up being a pal. End up being a friend. Why did your fiance, when you got down on a knee and said, would you please, I want to marry you. Why did she say yes? What do people get when they get you? The reason why I chose my wife, Marianne, 44 and a half years ago, 44 and a half glorious years ago. <laughs> five reasons why I picked her. Number one, she chased me since sixth grade. <laughs> she wore me out. Number two, she kissed me first. A story I've shared with this church many times. I'm not going to share it now. Number three, I could tell that she genuinely, genuinely loved me. She really loved me. She loved me for who I am and for who I was. She loved me, and she still loves me. The fourth reason why, 
Fourth reason why I took Marianne is that she wanted to partner with me in this thing called life. And we made a promise to one another on November 16th, 1973. Little pause there, huh? I looked at her in the eye, she looked at me in the eye and said, till death do us part. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, till death do us part. And the final reason why I chose her, not only because she's a hot mama and she is to me, but she has consistently been the most amazing, the most loving, the most caring, the most giving woman, giving woman of God that I've ever met in my life. She's incredible. That's what I got. That's what I got. So let me ask you, what do people get when they get you? What do people get when they get you? David said, with God, there is always forgiveness. So what did the people get when Jesus showed up on the scene? Like father, like son, Jesus showed up on the scene, unconditional love. There was grace, there was mercy. They found that Jesus was filled with compassion. He came to serve and not to be served. He gave his life so that we would be forgiven of our sin. My friend, that very same Jesus who entered into this world some 2,000 years ago is with us here today. And he's ready to give you all of that and a whole lot more if you would move toward him, if you would dare to believe him. Psalm 130 verse 4 says these words, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. God doesn't want us afraid of him like, oh, here comes God. But what he wants is and what he expects is that we would be in awe of him. When you begin to understand in your heart and in your mind the sin, your sin, our sin, past, present, and future, we've been forgiven of our sin. It's mind-boggling. It's one of those things that you and I would sit back and we would say, God, you are absolutely incredible. Your journey to finding an anchor for your soul, this is who I am, this is who you are. Number three is, this won't last. <clears throat> this won't last. Psalm 130, verse 5. <clears throat> verse 5, I'll read that first. It says, I, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. Let me stop there just for a moment. That word wait there literally means to watch, and that's important to step number three. What David is saying here, David is saying, my weary soul, my mind, my heart, my emotions, we're going to keep watch for you, God. I know that what I'm going through right now, you're going to come and change it. So I'm keeping watch for you, Lord God. Let me read the entire thing again. I wait for the Lord, uh, Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Watchmen for the morning has, was repeated twice, and in the Hebrew mind, they understood what David was saying. You see, there were watchmen in every major city of Israel, and they would be watchmen there for day and night. And the primary job would be to, to guard the city. But also, the watchman would be anticipating the light of the dawn. The light of the dawn where it would break over the horizon. King David says, he says, I'm going to wait and watch with expectation more than watchmen in the morning. Watchmen don't wait for the sun to rise as if will it come or won't it come today. It will come every single day. It will rise. There is a time every day that finally the sun will rise. So that wasn't their, their concern. They knew that it was going to rise. No, what they were watching for with the sun, they were knowing emphatically that the, the, the difficulties, the challenges that I have of my life is going to give way to the brilliance of what's coming my way with this amazing light. It will happen. The psalmist is saying this. He's saying this cold, brutal darkness that's all around me won't last. David is saying, I am convinced that God, that you are about to change the dark, bleak circumstances uh, at any moment. 
And I am waiting for you, Lord. I am waiting as a watchman. As a watchman. Listen, church. For David, for you, and for me, all of this that we're talking about, all of these steps, all of this is rooted and grounded and anchored in faith. Faith that there is a real God who desperately loves you, who has who's been faithful to and true to you and to thousands of generations for thousands of years. He is who he says he is. And I'm here to tell you, you can take this one to the bank. This won't last. This darkness is going to end. Whatever it is you're dealing with right now, it will end. Take it from Marianne and I. We are able to get beyond the darkness. We're not living in darkness anymore. Maybe with grief and maybe with tears, but not with, with darkness any longer. Come on, give me an amen. amen. The fourth and final point, if I could have our worship team come out. I am not, uh, uh, verse number four is, wait, let me begin. This is who I am. This is who you are. This won't last. And number four, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Psalm 130, verses 7 and 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. He will remove all of their iniquities. David is saying this. I'm not the only one going through these difficult days. I'm not the only one that's facing this. So David literally, he goes from a martyr to now becoming a messenger in just eight short verses. And he says something like this. Hey, Israel. Hey, Israel. Take it from me. Hope in the Lord. You can trust him. His steadfast love never changes. He will forgive you of all your sin every time you come to him. You can trust in God. Something divine is happening in David right here. In just eight verses. Something divine to his soul. And I believe that what happened to David will happen with you. If you would also move toward God. If you would also be the one who would cry out to the living God. It will happen to you. Listen. This world is in deep, deep pain right now. Our nation is extremely complicated with everything going on. In not just the United States, but all over this world. It's craziness out there. This world is in deep trouble. And there is nothing that this world could ever give you or I that would give hope to our soul. It only can come from God. It can only come from God. That Oh, you may feel good because you got a $100 bonus or a $1,000 bonus, but that's not going to get to your soul, man. Because you're going to spend that money as quickly as you got it and it's gone and you're going to begin to worry again about the next $100 you're going to get. There is one thing that we can lean on. It's not the world, but to put our faith in the living God. That no matter what may come your way, you need to know. Listen to me, please. You need to know that God sent Jesus to become the anchor for your soul. The anchor for your soul. We here at Word of Life, we believe that that hope which anchors our soul is Jesus Christ. And today's celebration is he rose from the dead. He conquered sin, death, and the grave. And that's why we celebrate here. That's why all of the hubbub is taking place all over the world. It's a day of celebration. God sent his son to become the anchor for our souls. We believe that hope which anchors our soul is Jesus Christ. Hope defined as a confident expectation hooked into something solid and firm, which is Jesus, which is the son of God. My last scripture I read to you, Hebrews 6, 19. Hebrews 6, the hope, the hope is, this hope is strong and trust, 
trustworthy anchor for our souls. Let me read it again. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the, the curtain into, the, into God's inner sanctuary where Jesus is. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The hope I'm talking about is not that I hope you hope for the best or just stay positive or it's not merely expressing hope for the sake of of hope. But the bottom line with hope is this. Hope is only as powerful as that which it is connected to. And if Jesus is the anchor of our soul, he is the hope, the anchor of our soul. You talk about something powerful to be tied into. He rose from the dead. He was dead for three days. On the third day he rose, he conquered sin, death, and the grave. Would you stand with me to your feet? Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans and thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Jesus says, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for another. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. If I could have our intercession, intercession team, please come down front. We're going to close off the service this way. We're going to let you out of here in just a couple minutes. We're going to sing our last and final worship song. We have men and women who have been praying in another room for the last 35, 40 minutes for you. And they're ready to pray for you right now. When the song starts, I want to encourage you. That if you have any need in your life whatsoever, you don't have to be a member here. You could be your first time. You may not even believe that the prayer you're going to pray is going to be answered. But I'm encouraging you to come forward while the song is being sung and let them pray over you. It's been incredible what God has done in and through the intercessors of Word of Life. It's just been incredible while that song is being sung. My friend, there's only one decision that you have to make today at this point as you leave. It's either to say, it was nice. The pastor is a really good-looking guy, but no, God, I'm not ready yet. I'm not interested. It's your choice. Or you could say, God, I want to give this a shot. I don't know where, I am, where I'm at with this, but would you do something in my life? Would you make yourself known? So while would they're singing this long, last song, would you contemplate that decision? Would you begin to make that decision that, Jesus, would you become the Lord and leader of my life? As they sing the song, would you come on down and be prayed for? Go ahead.